Section four of Hypatia by John Toland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Rita Boutros. Chapter eighteen. Now the revenge which Cyril took of Orestes, being the prelude to poor Hypatia's tragedy, I choose to relate it as I have done other passages in the words of honest Socrates certain of the monks says he living in the nitrian mountains leaving their monasteries to the number of about five hundred flocked to the city and spied the governor going abroad in his chariot whereupon approaching they called him by the names of sacrificer and heathen using many other scandalous words the governor, therefore suspecting that this was a trick paid him by Cyril, cried out that he was a Christian, and that he was baptized at Constantinople by Bishop Atticus. But the monks, giving no heed to what he said, one of them called Ammonius, threw a stone at Orestes, which struck him on the head, and being all covered with blood from his wound his guards a few excepted fled some one way some another hiding themselves in the crowd lest they should be stoned to death in the meanwhile the people of alexandria ran to defend their governor against the monks and putting all the rest to flight they apprehend ammonius and brought him before orestes who as the laws prescribed publicly put him to the torture and racked him till he expired not long after he gave an account of all that was done to the princes nor did cyril fail to give them a contrary information he received the body of ammonius and laying it in one of the churches he changed his name calling him thaumasius and ordered him to be considered as a martyr nay he made his panegyric in the church extolling his courage as one that had contended for the truth but the wiser sort of the christians themselves did not approve the zeal which cyril showed on this man's behalf being convinced that ammonius had justly suffered for his desperate attempt but was not forced to deny christ in his torments this account requires no commentary i shall only observe with a heathen philosopher that at the time the monks the fittest executioners of cyril's cruelty were men indeed as to their form but swine in their lives who openly committed thousands of execrable crimes not fit to be named whoever says he got on a black habit and would make a grotesque figure in public obtained a tyrannical authority to such a reputation of virtue did that race of men arrive this picture though drawn by an enemy's hand is allowed by all good judges to be done to the life and we shall presently have reason more than sufficient to be of the same opinion chapter nineteen but cyril's rage was not yet satiated though orestes had the good luck to escape being murdered hypatia must fall a sacrifice to the prelate's pride and to the ghost of ammonius this lady as we mentioned above was profoundly respected by orestes who much frequented and consulted her 
for which reason says socrates she was not a little traduced among the mob of the christian church as if she obstructed a reconciliation between bishop cyril and orestes wherefore certain hot-brained men headed by one peter a lecturer entered into a conspiracy against her and watching their opportunity when she was returning home from some place they dragged her out of her chair hurried her to the church called caesar's and stripping her stark naked they killed her with tiles then they tore her to pieces and carrying her limbs to a place called cinaron there they burnt them to ashes nothing short of this treatment not to be paralleled among the most savage nations against woman and against a woman of such distinction scarce credible did not two or more of her contemporaries attest it nothing i say but the blood of hypatia shed in the most inhuman manner could glut the fury of cyril's clergy for these were the monsters that putting off all humanity committed this barbarous murder socrates tis true distinctly names but one clergyman peter the lecturer but nicephorus expressly tells us that the zealots led on by this peter were cyril's clergy who hated her for the credit she had with orestes that they were these who imputed to her the misunderstanding between the governor and their bishop and finally that they butchered her the time of solemn fasting which added to their sanctifying of their villainy by perpetrating it in a church shows the glorious state of religion in those pure and primitive times as some no less hypocritically than falsely are pleased to style them the citizens of alexandria on whom certain persons would fain lay this act of popular heat as they speak by way of extenuation were too great admirers of hypatia's virtue and too much in the interest of orestes to have any hand in so foul a business however prone to tumults all the circumstances accompanying the fact clearly prove this not to repeat the assault so lately made by the nitrian monks on the governor whom the people rescued though i will not answer for all the mob especially when the clergy lewd them on chapter twenty be it so that the clergy of alexandria were the murderers some may say and that their affection for cyril transported them beyond what can be justified how does it appear that he himself had any hand in this black deed which perhaps he neither knew nor could prevent for the sake of our common humanity since true christianity is not at all concerned i wish it were so but there is such evidence as will not let any man, if not wilfully shutting his eyes against truth, to believe it. Damascius, who is the other contemporary witness of her murder, I meant, besides Socrates, positively affirms that Cyril vowed Hypatia's destruction, whom he bitterly envied and sweetus who writes the same thing says that this envy was caused by her extraordinary wisdom and skill in astronomy 
as hesius when he mentions her limbs being carried all over the city in triumph writes that this befell her on the score of her extraordinary wisdom and especially her skill in astronomy for cyril was a mighty pretender to letters and one of those clergymen who will neither acknowledge nor bear the superiority of any layman in this respect be it ever so incontestable to others but some circumstances of hypatia's death not mentioned in socrates are preserved in the abridgment of isidorus's life in photius such as valesius had it and which i here give you reader though it should cost you the tribute of one tear more to her memory upon a time says damascius cyril passing by the house of hypatia saw a great multitude before the door both of men on foot and on horseback whereof some were coming some going and others stayed when he inquired what that crowd was and what occasioned so great a concourse he was answered by such as accompanied him that this was hypatia the philosopher's house and that these came to pay their respects to her which when cyril understood he was moved with so great envy that he immediately vowed her destruction which he accomplished in the most detestable manner for when hypatia as was her custom went abroad several men neither fearing divine vengeance nor human punishment suddenly rushed upon her and killed her thus laying their country both under the highest infamy and under the guilt of innocent blood and indeed the emperor was grievously offended at this matter and the murderers had been certainly punished but that edephius did corrupt the emperor's friends so that his majesty it's true remitted the punishment but drew vengeance on himself and his posterity his nephew paying dear for this action this nephew valetius believes to have been valentinian whose mother placidia was aunt to theodosius chapter twenty one thus ended the life of hypatia whose memory will ever last and whose murder happened in the fourth year of cyril's episcopate honorius being the tenth time and theodosius the sixth time consuls in the month of march in the time of lent and in the year four fifteen that action says socrates brought no small infamy not only upon cyril but also upon the whole church of alexandria for slaughters and fightings and such like things are quite foreign to the christian institution there's nothing surer there's nothing truer but of genuine christianity there remained very little at that time unless christianity be made to consist in the bare name and profession for were i disposed to take this trouble upon me i should think it no difficult task to show that neither the doctrines nor distinctions then in vogue were ever taught by christ or his apostles and that the ceremonies enjoined or practised were all utterly unknown to them 
No, no, they were no Christians that killed Hypatia, nor are any Christian clergymen now to be attacked through the sides of her murderers, but those that resemble them. By substituting precarious traditions, scholastic fictions, and a usurped dominion to the salutiferous institution of the Holy Jesus, Photius is very angry with Philostorgius, whom he stigmatizes as an impious man, for saying that the Homusians or the Anathasian Trinitarians tore her to pieces. But is he not an impudent man, or something worse that dares to deny this? When none were more remarkable sticklers for the Homusian than Cyril and his adherents. This only the truth of history requires to be specially noted, for with me the Homoeusian and the Homusian are of no account in comparison of the Bible, where neither of them are to be found. In the meantime, twill not be amiss to hear Gothifred on this occasion. Observe here, says he, the Arian poison of Philostorgius against the Homusians or Catholics, as if the murder of Hypatia were the crime of the Catholics, and not of the indiscreet populace. Thus much, however, may be gathered from this passage, that this same Hypatia was no Catholic. Admirable Gothofred, not to say anything to your Arian poison, for which I am not a whit concerned, neither of the people's guilt, whom I have sufficiently cleared before, nor yet of the nice distinction between the populace and the Catholics, as if the bulk of the Catholics were not the populace. Your conclusion that Hypatia was not a Catholic is unspeakably acute, when in reality she was not as much as a Christian, her father having been a heathen philosopher, and herself the wife of one, without the least appearance that she was ever any other with regard to her own persuasion. As for a ridiculous letter, pretended to be written by her to Cyril about the Paschal cycle, tis a manifest forgery for she was murdered the sixth year of theodosius and therefore one and twenty years before the exile of nestorius who yet is mentioned in that letter under the epithet of impious chapter twenty two and now that Cyril's name puts me once more in mind of him, how insufferable a burlesquing of God and man is it to revere so ambitious, so turbulent, so perfidious, and so cruel a man as a saint, since history shows that this was his just character. But in good earnest, this same title of saint has not seldom been most wretchedly conferred, for the greatest part of the saints after constantine's reign and especially since canonization came in fashion are made up of three sorts of persons the least of all others meriting veneration first men have been dubbed saints for promoting the grandeur of the church by all their endeavours especially by their writings which instead of employing for the happiness or instruction of their fellow-citizens they prostituted to magnify spiritual authority to the debasing and enslaving of their spirits the second sort that have been honored with saintship 
were princes and other powerful or rich men, however vicious or tyrannical, who gave large possessions and legacies to the church, or that with incapacity, faggot, gibbet, sword, and proscription chastised the temerity of such as dared to question her decrees. The third sort were poor grovelling visionaries, boasting of their delirious enthusiasms and ecstasies, or imposing on the ignorant by formal mortifications, falsely reputed devotion, and were recompensed with this imaginary reward by those that despise their austerity, at the same time that they mainly thrived by the credit of it it is no wonder then that when the epithet saint which peculiarly belonged to piety and innocence was thus pompously bestowed on vice and impiety there should prevail that deluge of ignorance superstition and tyranny which overwhelmed almost the whole christian world all the persecutions that ensued were so many forcible means employed to suppress any efforts that might be used for the restoring of virtue and learning by that anti-christian spirit fell hypatia to whom the clergy of her time could never forgive that she was beautiful yet chaste far more learned than themselves not to be endured in the laity and in greater credit with the civil magistrate whom the clergy of that time would needs drive or lead as their pack ass end of section four end of hypatia by john toland recorded by rita butros